Greetings and welcome. This is What's the Story Footy Gory with Rick and Sid. And we are a couple of football geeks that love a good yarn about great matches, players, managers and great teams who have entertained a beautiful game. Each week we will be picking a story or two from the recent and distant past and discussing the reason why those moments were iconic and memorable. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Fancy. So and don't uh, I, I can't believe I'm going to let you talk just me. Just as way. a pretext here that I'm a mad Liverpool fan and Rick is a frustrated AC Milan fan. So Rick is a bigger man than me. Well, metaphorically anyway. So, uh, so there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so where do we want to start? Shall metaphorically, we, uh, let's paint the picture. Uh, All right. Well, let's let's welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Footy Fest. Um. Where Sid and I, in our love of this wonderful game, love it, we'll break down some of the craziest stories. We'll talk about some of our favorite managers, players, games, the whole nine yards, cups, and everything in between throughout this journey of our podcast. We might even sing an Oasis number as well. We, we might even sing. We're both huge Oasis fans, so we might even sing a Oasis fan here and there. Um, but I, I allowed Sid to pick the first topic, and of course. Him being a Liverpool fan and me being a Milan fan, I Indeed. have to hear about this flipping game. Indeed, because it's it's a day that's very special in my life. I might forget the uh, the birthday of my child, my the birthday of my wife, <laughs> and the anniversary of of when we got married. But, but you will never forget. Never will forget you were twenty fifth of May two thousand and five? Because <sighs> that's a, a moment etched in time. Not even in a that. sniff of the country of Istanbul. No, not really, not really. No, I just decided to watch it from my TV uh, through ESPN. I do work there as well. Was it on ESPN? I don't it remember. Was. was it on ESPN? It was on ESPN. Wow, that was way back in the day. Well, but I didn't have a HD TV, so God knows <gasps> what it looked like. You know? Ugh. Oh, yes, exactly. Ugh. Blurry lines everywhere. Blurry lines. The grass probably didn't look as beautifully green as it does today. The whole thing looked terrible when we were three yeah. now. Let's just say that the pitch probably started to look brown <laughs> and. The groundskeepers were going to come out. It and wasn't great. It no. wasn't great. So, All right. let's start off. Paint some pictures of the great two great clips here. So, you want to paint a picture about AC Milan, what they've done and what they've won and all that stuff? <laughs> what have they won? I mean, come on. We're talking about 10 UEFA championships. I, I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty you impressive. know, I've, I've lost count of the amount of Scudettos. I mean, this is just beautiful. The question is, how many of those did you win without fixing games? Right? Oh, That's here we go mind. with the, the Italian max match fixing and all of this. Cra- well, I think having this a, is, having the president of the country managing a club has a slight leading on things and our results will flow. Perhaps. There's nothing wrong with that. There is not. You're telling me. I wouldn't complain if it was happening to okay, my club. Okay, I was going to say. If you, I am with Salah like anybody else. If you had the prime minister of... of of England. Oh, right now that probably is not a good idea. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Let's not take that example, okay? But let's take some Russian oligarch that had an infinite amount of cash. I'm okay with taking an American oligarch who manages the Boston Red Sox. I'll take that. Oh, God, and he's got to throw that in my oh, face. sorry. That's what makes this even worse, too. Is not only, not Yankees only, fan. Yeah, not you. only overseas do I have to deal with this crap, but See, even here in the States I have to deal with this crap. I really don't care. I mean, for me, it's just a... 
it's a, it's a longer version of cricket baseball, so let's not. Get All right, so we're talking about the great and powerful Rossoneri. Yes. Do you tell me a little bit about their history and what they've won? And, uh, uh, what haven't they won? I mean, we're talking about ten Champions League uh, titles. Um, yeah. We're talking about. Um, when were they established? When were they established? They were established eighteen ninety nine. So the story is that they're an old the, club. They're an old club, and I think there's parallels in terms of their history and Liverpool's history because initially there was there was one club that became two, right, with internationally. Correct. That dreaded other team that mm. we have to share a home with. Mm. That's that's relatively brutal. But yes, it was one club. Um, eventually split into two. Um, we were not in the privilege of the Everton and Liverpool yes. debacle to where we can just say, you know what, we don't want to play in the same ground. We're going to go build one across I mean, the street. Exactly. So technically speaking, Liverpool and Everton, that's an interesting story. Liverpool are really the bad guys. Basically, Everton were the Methodist teetotalers who just basically had this ground. And uh, the landlord of Liverpool, uh, John Holding, I think, uh, decided to say, we're going to start charging you rent and you can start drinking as well and they didn't like that and they just got very angry and moved away so hence they were formed a bit before we were and we were formed in 1892 and ironically our first kits were actually in blue so there you go that's a little bit of trivia for you really yeah we've always been white black and red right our, our variations like a Bournemouth yeah we've, we've, we've had the variation kits um over time we've had mm. some putrid greens and putrid yellows and putrid golds and we've had yes. some interesting kits yes. but yeah i mean we're talking about 18 scudettos yeah we have a couple of serie b titles yeah. um like i said well technically you can't count serie b that's like second division yeah so, but yeah. it's still it's still a division all right um seven champions leagues yes um we've been to the finals 10 times yeah um last came in 2007 that's right last that, that finals was, win well let's not talk about that because that's not the purpose of this podcast Oh, come on. In, in, in our eyes, that was a Greek tragedy, so let's not talk about it. So I think I just found the, the title of our second podcast. I think so. I think yes. the Greek tragedy. Yes, and I will, and I will say in that, in that thing, we always have Istanbul, don't we, so regardless? We always have Istanbul. So a little bit past, a little bit uh, checkered uh, past, as uh, illustrious as AC Milan has been, 80 times champions of England. Yes, the old championship, not the Premier League that all the young kids love these days. Seven times FA Cup winners, eight times League Cup winners, when the actual Carabao Cup was called something else. And it was actually a cup that people actually wanted to win. And we also had um, three times UEFA Cup, uh, now called the Europa League. And with this one, five times Champions of League, League Europe. But the illustrious pass is really from 1977 to 85, when they won four European Cups uh, fought in uh, five European Cup finals. There is that final in 2005, uh, sad day, Liverpool, dark, dark stain on, on the club uh, with the Heisel disaster with, with them playing Juventus. 39 fans were killed. And uh, when we when we follow through this journey, there is a little, a little reference point to that game because Juventus did actually beat Liverpool in one of the knockout rounds. So uh, that's it in terms of background. Um, in terms of the, his, the history and the starting process, it's quite interesting because... Uh, we had Gerard Hulli in there from uh, for about six years, and uh, he was on his uh, he was on his uh, probably last season. I think the season before there was the rumours that he was going to go, and there was there were rumblings of Mourinho trying to seek out some uh, managerial post there when um, Porto were making a run in that uh, two thousand three two thousand four season where they actually won the uh, European Cup. They had a they had a semi final against Man United at Old Trafford, and there are sort of rumblings that uh, he was desperate to. Uh, to to manage Liverpool, he didn't get his way, and uh, hence his eternal hatred for the club. I think, like he has for Barcelona. So, 
there's a little bit of history there. <laughs> um, so wait, go, let, let's go back for a second to, to, to the whole the, the, the disaster. Um, mm. This was the first time in a while, hadn't it been, that your, that English teams were essentially allowed back in the Champions League. Yeah, so what happened in 85, a high school disaster happened. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of bitterness between Everton and Liverpool fans. So believe it or not, Everton and Liverpool were the top two clubs in England during that time, 85 to 90. English clubs were bound for five years. Liverpool were bound for an additional three years. So we didn't come back into Europe until, I think, 92 season. So, yes, you're right. Um, that might explain, not wishing to belittle the tragedy, why AC Milan was so dominant. I mean, that Origi Sagi side was absolutely... A phenomenal side, but I would have loved to see the Liverpool side go against the AC Milan side. I think that would have been a great, great sort of. Those would have been some matches. great matches. Exactly. Those would have been some great matches. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about what we're going to jam about. We're mm. going to talk about 05 Istanbul. But here's what here's the, here's the way that I think we should talk about this. I yeah. think we we should kind of break this down into some segments here because I think a lot went on leading oh, up to that game absolutely I think the game itself is too easy to talk about all in one session yeah. we need to talk about the leading up so here's what we're going to do so. here's what we're going to do folks we are yes. going to break this down Sid will probably do more of the talking on Liverpool than I do and I will probably do more of the Milan talking than Sid does that's highly probable yeah I would, yeah, say. I would say so and yes. we'll, we'll we'll start jamming on, on Liverpool talking about kick us off with your boy kick me off with Rafa Benitez well Rafa Benitez where is he now Newcastle. Right? Newcastle. He's at Newcastle. Um, Newcastle. I think he had a stint at Real Madrid, didn't he? He did a stint at Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit a very brief stint at Real Madrid. But I think I think uh, he was uh, an interesting kind of uh, acquisition. I mean, uh, I think there was a couple of games in the Champions League 2002-2003 when he had a Valencia side where he managed Valencia uh, from 2001 to 2004. And they were a, f- a phenomenal side. Uh, he uh, he basically broke that domination of uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. They won two La Liga titles, and he also won the uh, cu- the UEFA Cup the season before he joined us. And the, there was a particular game I, I remember where basically uh, Liverpool played them twice, and he played them off the park. The team was just built with slick one touch passing, and uh, there was a genius in the, in that team, Pablo Amar, um, who's a genius uh, number ten that he had, and he got the best out of the team. So. The, t- the 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 truth was at the time was that the senior players were was were, were were obviously approached about the appointment of Rafa and uh, they were saying yeah he's the guy for us he's going to make us better so he joined uh, summer of two thousand four Julio left uh, albeit reluctantly I think Julio's time was up probably the season before and uh, the drama started doesn't just doesn't just begin in Istanbul it, it went all the way through the season because that was a time when Chelsea evil Chelsea evil Chelsea as I like to call them. <laughs> Bravramic took over, a lot of money came into the game, and you you have a, a youngster called Steven Gerrard, as we know, one of the legends. Yes. Never heard of him. Yes, let's not talk about the slip, because that hurts every little Never heard of him. He scored that header, I think, first goal. Um, so, uh, he, was at a, he was at a crossroads, and uh, I just actually watched his uh, Amazon Prime uh, movie, Maker's Dream. I recommend uh, anybody should watch it for a, a good story about his time at Liverpool and the, amount, the pressure that he, that he sort of had on his shoulders to actually follow that through. And he was at a point where Ch- Chelsea were actually surrounding surrounding with him. Mourinho really wanted him, really wanted to sign him, and that was like the backstory for that. For that, and uh, Rafa joined, and uh, Rafa convinced uh, Stevie to stay, and Stevie stayed. But that's just the beginning of the story. So uh, he stayed. We started, but then there's another 
uh, player that wanted to leave, Michael Owen. You might remember him. Oh, I do um, remember Mr. Owen. 97, 98 World Cup scored that one, the goal against Argentina. Yeah. Uh, also in the Balanda or surprisingly, for an English player. But Stevie and uh, Michael were actually together uh, in terms of their growth, in terms of how they progressed through the England under-21s and England's under-17s and all that stuff. So they were, they were kind of intertwined. And then Stevie says they thought they were going to be together for a long time and do great things. And Michael left. And Michael was the player of that, that team. Mm-hmm. He was the striker. He was a, you know, he was, he scored a lot of goals for Liverpool. He was the, he was the guy that we thought was going to stay for a while. So he actually left for, for, for Real Madrid, which ironically he left because he said he wanted to win the uh, Champions League. So Liverpool fans never forget a person who betrayed them. So there it is. No, you don't say. No, no. We might forgive them in the end, but they'll never get feel the love that they feel at Liverpool because we possess people very hard, very, very. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> dangerous at times as well. Very much so, because you, you, your hearts get break, broken. But there it is. <laughs> so Michael, Michael uh, left. Um, Rafa made some signings, and uh, obviously he knows the Spanish game very well. And the two kind of two uh, key Spanish plays he signed. We all know Xavi Alonso. Everyone loves Xavi Alonso. We all love Xavi. He was there for five years, but he, he was a young, young uh, Spanish international at the time uh, from Real Sociedad. Uh, seen as a passing metronome and. Uh, he became one of the most loved players in Liverpool. And to this day, that's a one stain that, that's held against Rafa is why did you let Alonso go? And I don't think he had, I, don't, I think the reason he really let Alonso go was because Alonso wasn't wanted the season before Rafa wanted to get rid of him. And Alonso basically played out his last season looking for a move and he got his move to Real Madrid. So I think the, the damage was already done. My personal take on Xabi Alonso, I think he was good. He probably had two good seasons with us, but I wouldn't say he was... Uh, a legend as much as he was good so I think there's a bit of revision history going there from Liverpool fans but that's just my take on it so yeah but the other thing too you gotta remember Rafa is just not a player manager Rafa you're not gonna hire Rafa to stroke egos and right. and to make sure that the star feels the most comfortable Rafa's yep. the type of manager he's like Pep he has a system yep. he will get you to believe in that system you will right. play into that system right you will become a better player. Like you Absolutely. even said yourself, Absolutely. I think it was Stevie G that said he became a better player Absolutely. once Rafa got there. I think Stevie, Stevie was actually craving for some love and some, some sort of acknowledgement that he was the guy. And that's what reason why the story, as, we, as we're going to talk as the story unfolds and uh, how Stevie felt frustrated as it is time then, he just didn't really feel that, do they still want me here? Or are they just going to cash in on me and just let me to Chelsea? I think the, well, the thing that Rafa was, if anything, Stevie does acknowledge it to, to his point, he was brilliantly tactically astute. He was a master technician. Mm-hmm. He, and that's one reason they had this run. And I'll say it now: that t- that side that went on to, yes, Rick, they went on to. We know what they did. They, <laughs> this is probably the worst Liverpool side to actually win something, and that's all due to Rafa sort of being an absolutely master tactician in terms of how he how he uh, looked at the teams that he was playing. And that's why we were, we were good in the Champions League. We were no good in the league. In, in the in the league, in the league, we were we were fifth. We finished uh, about thirty-seven points. Yes, thirty-seven points behind Chelsea. We got ninety-five points, so we were terrible in the in the, in the actual uh, domestic form. But he was he was he had a habit of just basically be looking at players and figuring out what their weakness was in the opposition team and, and building a team that would play against them. I would actually play to their strengths. Obviously, he was a, ultimately a defensive coach, albeit Eregisaki was his, you know, 
was the guy that he that he sort of wanted to follow. He, he just didn't have enough flair players, but that was ultimately his style: compact defending, organizational, you know, defense and structure. And that we know in today's game doesn't work. Why he flamed out at Real Madrid, and why he made his way back to the EPL. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? At that time, 2004, 2005, Mourinho was there as well. And Mourinho and Rafa were sort of eh, friends, shall we say? But I think what happened, I think what, what, what's interesting during that time period from about, I would say from about 2005 to about 2008, there was a really, really intense rivalry between Chelsea and, and Liverpool. Probably not so much in the league, but definitely in the European games. There were so many clashes between Chelsea and Liverpool. And and it's surprising. It, it's funny, like, Rafa, for the type of manager he is, and for the system that works for him, the success he had at Liverpool, yeah. it, like, it's weird. Like, I, I look at Serie A football, and Serie A football is very defensive-minded, right? You're going to mm-hmm. win... You're going to win more games 1-0 than you're going to win 4-2. Yeah. That's kind of today's game, yeah. especially if you go out to La Liga, you look at Spanish football, and even the Bundesliga is starting to yeah. to up their, their scoring numbers. But yeah. And the fact that Rafa, it didn't translate well anywhere outside of England is, yeah. is very shocking to me. I mean, granted, I think I can, with a lot of confidence, say, of course it was not going to work in Spain. Yeah. It was not going to work I mean, in all, Spain. Albeit Valencia, that's where he really shone because, because he... he, he, he he managed to break that typical Barcelona Real Madrid duopoly, if you want to call it. Yeah, but it, it was it was short lived. I don't think that kind of style would have survived the long term. But the, the interesting thing was his style at Valencia was not defensive. It was actually brilliantly sort of a you know a, a sort of a, a quick passing attacking side. Right, um, he, he adopted to the game there, but then his style became very defensive minded. Yeah, his style was sort of a loaded back four. Let mm-hmm. me sort of. Let me sort of cheat the wing backs a little, a little deeper, yeah. and you know, let let me kind of have a weird back six if I need to. You oh, know, yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Because tr- trust me, those Chelsea Liverpool games, oh my goodness, they were boring, <laughs> boring, tense, paint drying. You are not going to get any entertainment in those games. It was basically who's going to blink first. They were just basically two two. Mourinho in himself is an, is I think is a negative coach. Albeit that that twenty two thousand four two thousand five season. Chelsea were actually free flowing and actually scored a lot of goals. They right. got, I mean, you talk about Man City getting 100 points. They got 95 points that season, which is a ridiculous return. Um, but I, I think it was that it was that period of time. I mean, we, that's why we love this game because it evolves over time. Now, it, then it was it was possession based. It was being compact and mm-hmm. defensive. Mm-hmm. Now it's not possession based. It's based on quick transitions. It's not a base of based on how long you keep the ball. It's based on how quickly you can get the ball and turn off the ball and go in transition. Right. So this is the great thing about this game. This thing, these things evolve over time. And uh, at that time, that's what it was. It was mm-hmm. basically you were defensively astute. You basically minimize the amount of breaks and you hit on the counter, you know, when you can. Right. Um, but just to go over the domestic form, it was, it was pretty off the Champions League. And as I said, I think Liverpool and Rafa... His time there for four years, he was suited for European competitions. Those one-off matchups where he could just basically look at those, the opposition, look at all the weaknesses, and identify the way to actually beat that team. And that's what he was very, very good at. And it, it, he got to two finals, and he got to I think two semi-finals as well. In addition to that, so in that time, the four years that were there, Liverpool were actually classed as number one team in Europe by UEFA based on their, you know, their, their form, the form guide, if you will. So mm-hmm. he wasn't he was immense in those kind of competitions, but. Where he suffered was was in the league, and I think that's where you need. Uh, in terms of the players that he had, 
if you look at that 2004-2005 side, like I said, a bunch of average players. Gerard was probably just coming into his peak, coming into his form. He was he was still a young player. I mean, but he still wasn't there. It's like, but but he he had to take the mantle that season so to be like the match winner for that season. Um, the rest of the, the the rest of the season was pretty pretty flat. Um, there, there was a famous um, Carling Cup game, the League Cup game, if you will, in uh, February, where Stevie G of all play, players seems to have a bad thing with Chelsea, as we know, with his slipping and. Uh, <laughs> This was him scoring an own goal. Liverpool were one 0 up, and uh, he scored an own goal. And uh, I act in the days when I actually used to bother listening to phone-ins, which I can't stand now because I just don't like listening to phone-ins. The, he got a lot of vitriol about his his performance and the fact that he wanted to go to Chelsea and he was a disgrace. And he just got a lot of flack for that. Put it that way, because Chelsea actually won that game in the end, and uh, for Mourinho's first trophy, uh, the Carling Cup or the League Cup, if you want to call it. FA Cup, nothing happened apart from if you want to YouTube it for all you people out there. Uh, look at uh, Jimmy Triori currently man- managing uh, Seattle. Uh, I don't know what they're called anymore, right? Seattle, Sounders, Seattle Sounders, I think it is. Is that in the, the basketball MLS? team or the, or the football there's team? The football, no there's idea. the football team. And, ah, thank you. And, 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 and in American terms, it's the European football team. If I say football in Seattle, I'm going to get a lot of Seahawks fans in here. Okay. okay. Seahawks is, are like. The, that's the uh, NFL team. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good God, how long have we been in the States? Too long and it's still out. Uh, Too like, long and you still don't know what it is. I have no idea. Uh, I just well, people throwing things. I'm, I, call it, I'm, I call it throw ball. It's just more easy to Well, I'm going to get yelled at a lot because there's going to be a lot of times I say game instead of match. I'm going to say field instead of pitch. Oh, God. I'm going to say soccer instead of football and I'm going to be chastised <laughs> to no end. But you know what? I don't care because it's just my Americanism. Well, look. And I love the damn game. So who cares? Exactly. You, you know what the term soccer? Let's just clear it up here. It was not an American term. It was something that was created by the English slash Scottish at the time when it was founded. So it is a term from England. It is not a term from America. Okay. So sorry for all you Brits out there when I would bash at the Americans. It wasn't quite. I, I'll bash at them for other things, but not for that. All right. Uh, so uh, like I said, did Jimmy Triori, my manager Seattle right now in MLS, Made a horrendous error in the third, third, third round. He tried to do a Cruyff turn on the line, I think, and he just hit the ball into the goal. So the FA Cup didn't really go anywhere. So drifting in the league, and but the Champions League was was all where all the magic was, and that's where that's where he started started. To, um, you know, everything still sort of looked to, towards uh, progressing in the Champions League. Um, what about AC Milan, Rick? Just to get the balance here in terms of how they were doing the domestic. Oh, doing. all right, so. First off, we had my boy Carlo. Carlo Ancelotti. He's got nice hair. Car- he's got great hair. All Italians have great hair. So mm. do I. Mr. Ancelotti, a former I have no hair, a, a former Milan star, 87 and yes. 92. Won a couple of Serie A titles, European Cups. Yes. A couple of European Super Cups. Yep. Um, he was in that 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 80s team. Um, oh, yes. The great side with the Dutch players, Hobbit, Van Basten, and Rijkaard. Exactly, exactly. So he was probably for a very long time tenured at Milan as the manager right 2001-2009 probably took over from Fabio took over from Fabio and if anyone knows our history these days 2001 to 2002 would be a long tenure these days (laughs) Um, we we, we can't seem to find it but Carlo is Carlo is very interesting Carlo is my definition of a player manager Carlo, Carlo had a style it was very attacking style it was very midfield heavy he played that triangle which we'll, we'll we'll get into in a second of what that triangle was made of but yes. he had that triangle midfield he liked to push those those forwards really far forward he liked to get them in the box and he yeah. liked to just 
as I say, throw loose change in the box and someone was going to find it. Yeah, so yeah. that was his style. I think it's why it was successful in Milan. Milan was a, we were known for a long time for having a great back four. Yes. Um, I think over time, Ancelotti came, uh, Serie A football had a little bit of period of spreading out, yeah. a little bit period of scoring more. I think there were more, when you had your, true wingers or your true strikers come into the game. Yes. Um, you had the likes of Shevchenko coming in. Yes. Um, you know, you had a scoring midfielder in Kaká. Um, you know, that's really where the game was headed Mr. at that Pillow, time. Mr. Pirlo, of course, was there, wasn't Mr. Pirlo was there. I still don't look to Mr. Pirlo as a sort of that attacking forward. He's more of the maestro with the ball on his foot. Yes. Um, he's not the biggest guy, doesn't no, have the best no. stamina, but he just, he finds lanes. And I think, I think one of the other players that I found Found astonishing, just never stops running. As when Ferguson had a great quote saying, "This guy never stops running." It was Cafil on the right hand side? Oh yeah, he was like yep. the amount of work that he put on the right hand side was astonishing. Yes, astonishing. Yes, and um, that back that back line, I think it was. Uh, I'm just going by the the final. I think it was regular back line was Stam, Nestor, and uh, Maldini. Right, that's exactly who it was. And interesting was Stam. Well, Stam was actually at United, and uh, he could have had a great career at United, but. He wrote some not too nice things about the manager, Alex, and Alex <laughs> says, you're off, and he left. Yeah, so so Carlo had good success, um, stuck around from 06 to 09. Yeah. We do know he took another one in 07. Um, Where's Mr. Ancelotti now? He bounced around a bit. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, good success at La Liga. Yeah. Found his way back to Serie A, where he is heading up Napoli. He went um, to Bayern as well, didn't he? He went to Bayern. He did have a stint in Bayern, which did not go very well. Hmm. Um, players sort of fell out of love with that open attacking style, yeah. um, but at the same time, he's a bit of a hard ass when it comes to comes to training. But so that was Mr. Ancelotti, our manager. Oh four, oh five was actually a good season, and and unfortunately, it's going to go down as this team. We finished second in Serie A. I think we were. T- oh, I want to say we, that season. We, that was Juventus. Juventus had won oh four, oh five. Um, they were actually seven points clear too. So they had won. T- they had won the table. We yeah. were second. Um, but the problem is, is that team's going to go down for one reason and one reason only, and it's going to be Istanbul. But here's the thing: people forget how good that team was. Like was people phenomenal. don't realize the team was nicknamed the Amazings. They were nicknamed the Amazings. Phenomenal. Style. I mean, that back line, as old as people think that back line was, because that back line, the average age was thirty. They still were a, a brick wall. Um, the other thing too was that midfield and, and going back to that triangle, that 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 Pirlo Shevchenko and, and Kakai triangle, and, and well, that Sirov was in there. It, it was just it, it was it, unbelievable team. The team played open. They played attacking, um, but at the same time, Carlo had that ability to sort of you know take his foot off the gas if he needed to and he could rely like if you want to go up 1-0 in a must-win game you know yeah. in Napoli in Lazio in one of those places yeah. and you want to take your foot off the gas and you want to let the yeah, back four win the game they could do that I know it was, it was, a, it was a phenomenal side phenomenal and it, side. it was an incredible side I mean we'll, we'll get into the game later but just going into that side and just seeing how good it was from people to just everybody yeah. in between yeah. and people don't realize too this is a big thing that yeah. I didn't even realize until I started doing a lot more research and digging into this mm. that team was together for five years I same that, that five years back that, line? that bat that team really that team with the exception of a couple of swap outs here yeah. and there 
the core of that team was together almost five years. I mean, they did win it in 2003, didn't they? They won it in 2003. Old Trafford, I remember. Yep. Juventus, Lost uh, in 05. Shootout, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. And then won again in 07. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were together a long time. Yes. Um, but anyway, so we we had our struggles in Serie A that year. Yeah. Um, we, we had a couple of missteps. Um, you know, I don't think we didn't have... We didn't have the player drama that we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't a lot of signings at that time because, like I said, this was a core team that was together. I mean, this team was so well assembled that yeah. I, there was nobody that was going to bring anything into the mix. I don't Mr. think Catuso oh, was in there as well. Catuso, yeah, Gigi was in there. I mean, you know, I double mean, double G was in weird there. Weird thing about Catuso was, I think he started off. He, he was signed from Rangers in Scotland. I think he was originally yeah. playing at Rangers. Yeah. Uh, then, then he signed for uh, AC Milan. And then he signed for AC Milan, and and. We'll get into it, but he had probably a very big moment in that. So match. he was like he was like the workhorse of that midfield. I mean, he, I think we we talked about this. Him, him and Pielo didn't see eye to eye because they didn't. No, which P- is surprising. And and uh, Pielo was was lauded as like the maestro with the ball. Right. Well, there there was the difference. There there was elegance versus the bulldog. Yeah. Right. That's that's the way you can describe him. Right, I mean, right. Gattuso's even described that way now as he's managing as he's managing Milan, but. The, the the thing that was was Pirlo was the maestro. Pirlo was the uh, sort of the conductor of that midfield. Kaká was the talent. Pirlo was the vision, yeah. and Gattuso was the brute force. Right. And, if, you, if you look at that, if you look at the four players in that midfield, I only see Gattuso as the workhorse. There, I see Siedorf, who's polished under, yep. under the ball. Yep. I see Kaká, who's just phenomenal, and I see Pirlo, who's just the artist. I think he's just sat behind the midfield in front of the back line. Yeah. He, he played in that. Uh, you call it a number six role, if yeah. you will. Yeah, like I said, Catuso was, he was the bulldog. If if you watched him, as I said before, with Carlo's ability with this team, yeah. to if he wanted to sit back and park the bus, right. he moved, and if you've seen, you know, I, I went back and watched some of the games from that 4 5 season on YouTube, yeah. and you can look at some of the tactical changes that he would make. Yeah. One of the main tactical changes that he would make was Catuso would slot back and move in. Yeah. So he, he'd sort of play that... Um, fifth top of the line off the back four yeah yeah and he would run sideline to sideline as yeah. opposed to running you know in, in in u.s football terms north and south instead right. of running goal to goal he's running sideline to sideline right, right right so that's what made that team so strong um i think at the time you know juventus was just a you know they were they were juventus so they had they had uh, I, I mean well, we'll so talk about it as we, as we progress to the road to istanbul but just that they, they had uh Gigi in there, Buffon, who signed from Palmer a few years we, before. We had Gigi, yep. I mean, we this, had... Is, this was the interesting thing. I was reading that uh, Gigi Buffon was the most expensive player they signed at the time. I think it was 55 or 60 Euro, million euros or something. And the next expensive player, guess who it is? My favorite player. Who's that my favorite player, Rick? Is it our boy Maldini? No. Mr. Higuain was the most oh, expensive Oh, God. <laughs> most expensive player that, that uh, Juventus signed was Higuain since Buffon, which, which amazed me. Which amazed me. Yeah, he he's not the 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 Buffon we know of today. No, um, but I mean, top to bottom, you know, Dida, Cafu, uh, Stam, my boy Alessandro Nesta, um, Maldini, Pirlo, Gattuso, like Sidorf, like this this team, Kaká, this team was just incredible. They were an incredible team. It's a shame. You, know, you had some. I mean, we'll, we'll go into it when we get, get to the game. But you had some good, good guys off the bench as well. I really, Karui Costa, probably a little bit old at the time, but uh, Rui Costa was playing for you on the bench, and Sergino came on as well. Sergino, that's right. I mean, 
Crespo was was the, the Crespo was on loan from Chelsea. He, he yeah. was like pretty much the 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 almighty in the first half of the right. game. Right, 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 um, right, right. But yeah, he did come over from Chelsea on loan um, yeah. in 05. He had a falling out with I believe Mourinho at the time. Um, so which you know Jose Mourinho and a falling out of a player when you've never heard it's, that before. Uh, it's common, I think. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think so too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a it was an incredible team. Um, talent top to bottom, it was unbelievable. We were. Relatively drama-free as far as player-manager relationships, as where you know there were no games that we rolled over. Yeah. Um, see matches. See, I told you I'm going to get yelled at by a lot of this stuff. That's fine. There were no matches that we rolled over. Yeah. Um, we had a very tough road to the Champions League. Um, I think when we dive into that, yeah, we can get really long-winded to that. But we had a very very tough road getting into the Champions League um, final. Um, but for the most part, it's a team that. Oh God! Could have won two, three, four in a row. Yeah. They really could have, yeah, and I yeah. think they were, they were that good. I mean, I, th- I think I think it's a shame when you look at that side just just to round it off here with Kakar. I think that was his. I think the three seasons that he was there, he was he. When we talk about Messi and Ronaldo dominating this balloon d'Or for what it's worth, which I don't think it's worth much these days anyway. You don't he, say. he was the last person from Modric to actually win that balloon d'Or. Was you know, and that's how good he was at the time. He was the outstanding player for that three seasons. Oh, of course, of course. And and like I said, I I think that team's going to be remembered, unfortunately, for Istanbul and not what they accomplished before, during the season or after. Um, You know, I I know Kakai is so beloved there. Yes. Um, He's going back there, isn't he? He's going back. It's funny if you look at the um, the the we'll call it the back office of Milan. It looks yeah. like the 05 team. <laughs> Maldini is, is sort of your acting uh, general manager. Kakai yeah. is player development. Yeah. Um, Gattuso is your manager. Um, <laughs> we're, we're basically Shevchenko away from being, you know, a, a, a Shevchenko. Uh, well, he's managing Ukraine, so you can't bring Shevchenko. Yeah. He's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got commitments. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've basically gotten the band back together. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where Milan's headed these days. I, I, I think they're trying to, to, not to fast forward to I know we're talking about 2004-2005 but you know they're they're trying to bring that type of football back to Milan yeah Um, a team that the the one thing I will say about the team in in, in 05 was they were a team that believed what their contribution was Um, you know there was no this guy wanted to score more goals than this guy or yeah. this guy wanted, you know, they just, they, they, they knew their roles, you know, right. Gattuso was never going to put up 15 goals, No, but he will work his butt off for you in that yeah. midfield. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about, I don't want to, well, it's not going to get paid for you, for you. I don't, I don't the want next section, but let's just talk about how they got there. The road to Istanbul. <laughs> I don't want a Google map navigation from you. I want like a, I wanted to talk about, so the path that we took, um, we were that good the season before. I think we finished fourth just, and uh, we had to go through a qualifier. So we, we played some, uh, played an Austri- Austrian team, I think, uh, in the, in the qualifier, one, two, zero, zero. Owen was on the bench. It was, it was funny because I don't think he was ever going to come on because it was basically getting ready for the Real Madrid uh, swap over. Gerard got got a got a couple of goals in there. In the second game, we we we, we lost one uh, 0 to a freakish goal, and uh, and it's it's rough as early days. And as usual, the media got a hold of hysterical, saying, "Well, you can't rely on Gerard for everything, you know. You can't rely on Gerard for everything, you know." And guess what? 
next five years before I did do a Lang Giro for a lot of things. <laughs> so um, we got through that qualifier, and uh, our, what did we get in our group? Group we, we were drawn with uh, Monaco, Monaco, Olympiacos. Uh, I can never say this other one. Deportivo, Deportivo, La Corona. It's like a machena kind of dance or something like that. I, I, I just it sounds like a it, beer that I like. It to drink. sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I mean, the end story of this is it all came down to the Olympiacos game at the end. But mm-hmm. it started off, you know, very sketchy, the performances. It was good to win against Monaco to start off with at Anfield. They were with a couple of players that from the Holy era, Gabriel Cisse and Milan Barros. Um, the pairing of midfielder, midfielding of G- Gerard and Alonso. To this day, Gerard says Alonso was the best player he played alongside in the midfield. And, as a, and that, you know, that, that was actually a, a phenomenal midfield that, that built all the time with Mascherano being added to that, that as well. Um, followed by defeat to Olympiacos, a terrible performance, just completely outplayed by the Greek side, and they didn't really score any, create any chances. Then we scored a scoreless draw against Deportivo La Coruña, then played again in Spain. Luckily, luckily we won because we won away goal. Then we got Monaco away. This has actually got a good time to the present, hasn't it? Because I think we've got a last game scenario tomorrow against Napoli and oh. Carlo Chilotti. <laughs> I'm not worried about that right what, now. Look at the irony of what we're talking about right it now. It is, isn't it? And you know what? It doesn't matter what he does. He can never take it back Istanbul, as Liverpool fans would say. He's still uh, great here. So let's go. Let's go. Where, where do we go? Okay, so we got past Deportivo. Got a 1-0 win. And we went to Monaco and we lost. And Javier Saviola, Argentinian international, scored the only goal. Looked a bit dubious with the handball, but... There was no concept of VAR at the time. They were just referees trying to use their eyes, I think. So, you know, things have progressed a lot <laughs> since 2005. For the better, I think. Um, but like I said, let's round it off to the ones that where I think Stevie was basically the guy, the man, the one that saved us, basically. The one that carried that team was uh, Olympiacos, December the 8th. Another Anfield European night. Yes, yes, yes. We go on about the atmosphere, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? It's one of those things I think you have to experience it to, to understand it. I haven't experienced it, but I think we said that if, due to unforeseen circumstances, Liverpool fall out of the Champions League, play the Europa League, and we play the mighty, not so mighty, AC Milan, we will try and go there and experience the second tier <laughs> European competition. Because one, the tickets will be cheaper, and two, might be the only time we'll get to see AC Milan play Liverpool. <laughs> So, like I said, let's just walk through that game. Uh, it was, it was as usual, a dramatic game. I think Liverpool needed to, I think they needed to, to win by two goals or one goal. I think it was by two goals. So, Which one's this? The Olympiacos game? The Olympiacos game? Yeah. game, right? So, last game, last group game. Um, Rivaldo, we know him, great player at the time. 2002 World Cup winner. Um, scored a uh, 26th minute, I think. Uh, a free kick, uh, which meant that we needed three goals going into the second half. Uh, if you look at that game itself, they had chances in the first half, but the second half was really when the drama began. Um, Rafa brought on two couple of substitutes, two of the substitutes scored. We, we made it 2 1 in the 81st first minute, and it was set up for, for a grand finale. And uh, this is where the infamous commentary, Stephen Gerrard, uh, good. What a hit, son! What a hit, son! is what Andy Gray <laughs> says with Martin Tyler. 86 minute uh, came down to him on the half volley. Struck it beautifully, went into the goal, and that was the moment, I think, where if you ask Stevie the most important goal he's probably scored in that Champions League, it's probably that one, and the one, the first one that he scored in the final. So 
that was actually an astonishing game for him, and it, and it just made a big difference in terms of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And then the rest, and I think, I think it just for him, it just made him. I think it generally made the team believe. Hang on, hang on, we're not the greatest, but you know we have we we can punch you above our weight, and that's what they did. And um, it was it was a great night, but it was all very dramatic as usual. The way they <laughs> the way they made it to the group stages, out of the group stages. Yeah. What about you? Which group were you we, in? Uh, we weren't bad. Uh, we were Group F. We won the group. Um, Who was in that group? We had Shakhtar, Barcelona, and Celtic. Oh, that sounds easy. Yeah, it was relatively easy. We, I guess you could say we coached through. I mean, we had 13 points, four wins, and a draw, and a loss. Uh, played well against Shakhtar in the beginning. You know, took care of Celtic. We did a, a basically a home and away against Barcelona with a win home and a loss away. Who's playing that Barcelona side at the time? Oh, God, I don't even remember. Was, uh, I think Ronaldinho's probably Ronaldinho on side, was on that. Was he on that? Yeah, Ronaldinho, that 2000. Deco was probably on that side. Deco was on that side. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it was a good side. Um, we took care of it. Shakhtar, I mean, we basically locked it up in Shakhtar. Hmm. We went home in the Sincero. We, we beat Shakhtar 4-0, and then that was it. We basically coasted. So, um, so you guys had, like, no, as you mentioned earlier on, no drama. There was no drama. No drama. The first, like I said, the group stage, there was just no drama. The season. Routine. The, you know, it's almost like I can understand why Istanbul happened because everything else was just so damn easy. You missed the drama, didn't you? You know, like you say, it's not about the trophies; it's about the journey. Um, but that—that that was the thing. There was just there was nothing there where there were no games that stood out. Like I said, the the, the one and one of Barcelona was was pretty much the thing that everybody wanted to watch, but. At the end of the day, I think everyone knew those two teams were just, you know, you were going to punch each other in the mouth. And unless there was a huge goal differential, those two were going to go. Those two were going to go through. There really wasn't anything different. Um, And and it's funny where I joke. I used to joke with you all the time about how we had a much harder road going through the knockout stages versus versus you guys. We really didn't. I mean, you guys went. You know, you had uh, Leverkusen, Juventus, and then yeah. So let's let's talk about that. So Leverkusen was probably. The easiest, albeit Leverkusen did actually beat Roma and Rebel during the in their group games, yeah. and uh, we, we made a good start. I, but to this day, I re- you know, it's a funny thing about Steven Gerrard. I think at the time when he was playing, this is going to sound weird to all the Liverpool fans out there, so I apologize in advance. I thought he was very selfish. I really thought he was very selfish, and the uh, the old adage it was about Stevie Me and not Stevie G. So that was the old adage we had. I think over time when he's retired and you see what he's actually went through, you kind of feel a, a little bit different towards him, but. I remember that Leverkusen game. I don't think Stevie played. And I remember him coming out with some statement and uh, saying, well, you know, I'm not so confident, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. I think that was one of those games where you saw Rafa's brilliance. He put in players that basically were just left out right. in the in the previous uh, previous season. There were, there were Hullier signings and he just left them out and he played them just for that one game. Mm-hmm. And he managed to extract the, as much as he can out of those players. And that was a great game. They were 3-0 up and... Uh, I think it was, a, ironically, Jersey Dudek. I mean, people lord him in the in the final, but Jersey Dudek was not a great goalkeeper for us. He had one good season. Then after that, he was he was inconsistent at the, at the very best, shall we say. Went there 3-1, then we won it, we won it there 3-1. So that was actually straightforward, surprisingly. So Leverkusen was straightforward. And then, yes, like I said, let's reference back to Juventus, <laughs> the quarterfinal. Uh, 20th anniversary of uh, Heisel and we had some, a few Liverpool legends there sort of uh, paying their respects for what happened Michel Platini you might remember him oh what I happened do. to him hmm. he went into uh, office work didn't he Michel Platini <laughs> yes he did yes uh, we know what happened to him Powell got the best of him and a few legends from the Liverpool side were there as well and uh, 
Like you said, that Juventus side had Mr. Zlatan Ibrahimovic playing for him. Yes. For him. Del Piero, we know about. Yeah. Uh, we know about Cannavaro. I think we he had hair at the time, Cannavaro. <laughs> and uh, Jean-Luc Buffon, Lillian Turan. That, yeah. was, that was a pretty good side. Pretty good side. Once again, this is a rapper's masterstroke. He just he managed to figure out what the uh, weak points of that Juventus side was, and he managed to get get two goals, get, get ahead two goals. Hippier got a got a wonderful touch on a on a cross, and Luis Garcia. I forgot to mention Luis Garcia, the other part of the Spanish contingent that was signed from Barcelona, hit this wonderful uh, half. Uh, what was it um, half volley from outside the eighteen yard area over Gian Luigi Buffon, and uh, it was a fantastic goal and. Uh, they got one back at the end, Juventus, but we were, we went to the second leg two one, mm-hmm. and uh, I just knew that was going to be a real tough game, mm. <laughs> real tough game, just to keep Juventus out. So we rolled on to the uh, the second leg, and we were sort of depleted with a lot of injuries. I mean, it was it was a it was a real sort of backs of the wall performance. I remember Zlatan missing an easy chance at the start of the game, and uh, there was a, there was a one Canavaro ahead of the, the post, but somehow we sort of hung in there, showed a real resilience and fight. I managed to go through to, to the actual uh, semi-finals. So uh, you want to talk your way to the semi-finals, Rick? We had a very difficult semi-final. Well, not how did you, how did you I, get I'm there? saying that tongue-in-cheek um, very much so because our, our – uh, basically our semis was just was a joke. I mean, we catch Man United. We, we, we beat them 2 nothing on aggregate. Um, did you play Man United? We played Man United in the, in, the in, in the first in the first knockout rounds. Really? Yeah, in the first knockout round, we played that. Man United. Um, beat them two nothing. Um, I mean, it was just like I said, this was the epitome. I remember that first was that game. Two thousand four, two thousand five. Two thousand four, two thousand five. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. That. Um, I remember that first game because I actually remember watching that first game. To where was it on HD? It was no, it wasn't on HD. Of no, it was. of course it wasn't on HD. Um. <laughs> I think I had antennas on the top of my TV when oh, I was still trying to watch is. this. Yeah, the good old days. Um, it, it was it was uneventful, but it was a it, it was a serial match. We 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 went up early, parked the bus late, yeah, and that defense just just held its ground. Um, pretty uneventful. Then we get Inter, which was you played Inter we, in the quarter. We played Inter in the quarter, which was was quite interesting for okay, us to draw so Inter. Let's reel off the players that they had. Did they have? Uh... They might have. They might have. That's a good question. I'm not sure. They might have. I'll have to go back into the archives. But that was a joke. We won yeah. five nothing on aggregate. Okay. Um, and it was just a. It was a beating of all sorts. Um, how Inter even made it as far as they did is quite comical. Um, <laughs> but yeah, five nil. We get through easily in the quarters. So at this point... No drama. No, no drama. drama. Again, <laughs> no drama. You know, everything the way it was supposed to happen was happening. The, the the name The Amazings was continuing on at this point. There was just nothing. And then we get a struggle in PSV Eindhoven um, to where we had to struggle. We we went up early, first leg at home. Yeah. Um, We go up 2 nothing. Great. Yeah. We're feeling good about ourselves. We yeah. go into PSV and... We're thinking all we need to do is just hold firm. You know, yeah. one one tie is okay, no problem. We lose three one. What at, uh, at Milan? No, at Eindhoven. Oh right. We lose three one. Yeah. And so you go through on the away we goals we go through on the away goals. Yeah. But it just it was 
I think it was an instant with Shevchenko it, in that game, it, wasn't it? Was, it? It, was, it was a bit scary because the one came in the 91st. Oh, wow. That's dramatic. Yes. The one came in by Ambrosini in the 91st for us just to make it through. Well, that's kind of scary. So at that point, that was our first drama of the season. And Shevchenko, to, to this day, a lot of people say that he should have been sent off in that he game. He should have been sent off in that game. Um, it, 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 it was... Yeah, he should have been sent off in that game. It was not a pretty game. I think um, if, if you go back and you look at the game, I've gone back and I've looked at the highlights of that game. There's there's a lot of tired legs out there. Age yes. definitely started to show itself at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, the team just wasn't... It was almost like this is too easy, and then you run into an I- Eindhoven side, which was actually a pretty decent side. Right, um, right, right, right. Uh, you know, you had Alex on that team, Deshaf on that team. Oh, Alex, uh, Alex was the defender that went to Chelsea. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so you had a, a pretty decent squad on that Eindhoven yeah. team. Yeah. Um, so it was it, it was scary, um, and, and it was funny because the way it went was Eindhoven scores early. They score in the ninth. Um uh, Koku scores in the 65th and then the 92nd. Wow. And we scored in the 91st. That's right, dramatic. Ambrosini. So we, we lose 1-3, we tie 3-3, we go through on away That's goals. That's a very, very close shape. Yes. Yeah, very close game. Yes. So, um, yeah, that was really the, I would say that was probably the buildup of the drama that we had leading into the Champions League final. And like I said, watching the highlights of that game. Yes. There were some tired legs out there. Yeah, very tired legs out there. Interesting. And uh, you know me. I say this all the time. This is where depth comes into play in the Champions League. Yeah. It's where, if I go off on my side tangent here really quickly, this is where I saw the success of Real Madrid the past three years. <laughs> there was success on the bench. You know, it's it's a good problem to have when, let's see, in 15 you had a um, uh, Chicharito that came off the bench. Yeah. Um, in 16, you had, um, who came off the bench in 16? Uh, I think it was Asensio, wasn't it? You had Asensio. No, not yet. You had Hamas Rodriguez still coming off yeah. the bench in 16, yeah. 17. Yeah. Um, and then last year you had Asensio coming off the bench and Bale coming off the bench. Right, so right, right. that's, that's a, it's a decent problem to have when those are the kind of guys that are coming in in the, in the 65th and the 70th with yep. fresh legs. Yep. Um, and I've always said depth is what wins this tournament yep. um, because it's a grueling, if you add those teams that have to go through the group stages or go through the the actual round robins, don't get the buys into the group stages. It's yeah. you're, you're, you're playing 65 plus games potentially. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a lot of football. And it's going to catch up on you. It is going to catch up on you. You can see, call these guys professional footballers, but it is going to catch up on them. Cause yeah. when you're on this Champions League run, you kind of have to balance the league with the Champions League. And it's not, it's never easy to sort of go full gun for right. both competitions. Right. And that's always a challenge. So, uh, semi-final against Chelsea on the way to Milan. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So this reignited the Gerard to Chelsea rumors that was simmering before and during the season. Chelsea already wrapped, wrapped up the title, Mourinho, in a quick, quick record time. Um, another Champions League was waiting for him, following the Porto triumph from the previous season. Um, the first game was a pretty much a nutritional game of defences, and Chelsea and Liverpool had a limited amount of chances. Let's just say Liverpool were pleased to come away with a draw, uh, a dull draw. So you have Rafa and you have Mourinho, and we know how both those managers operate, right? Uh, they're very sort of uh, defensive, shall we say, and very the world is compact, I believe. It is using <laughs> tactics, right? Compact. So uh, that was interesting because um, 
the final game, uh, sorry, the, the the second leg, I should say, cacophony as noise, to, to say the least, 2005, cacophony of noise. So you've heard the famous Anfield atmosphere. Of course. The famous Anfield nights, as they talk about. Yeah. So, nil-nil, all to play for. Let's just say uh, it started off rather dramatically. It's the it's known for the famous uh, Luis Garcia ghost goal, as Jose would like to call it, because there was no VAR in those days. There's no goal line technology in those wait, days. Wait, 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 wait. What's uh, this? What is this VAR that you speak of? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, I think it's variable assisted something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> A variable assisted referee, is it? Probably. Oh, there you go. Because you remember in the World Cup, they couldn't figure out figure out anything out with the VAR anyway. They got the wrong decisions. Nobody can while. figure it out. But. That that the the goal was was very early. What happened was there was there was a it was an interchange of play. Stevie played it through to Milan Barros. Barros went through. Czech actually knocked him out. So you could argue he would have been sent off. The ball spun to uh, Luis Garcia. Garcia tapped it in. Well, tapped it in. And it bounced, and I think it went in. Who knows? We'll never know. It's like one of those goal line things that happened in 1966 when England won the World Cup. There was a dodgy Russian linesman there. I don't know who the linesman was this time around, but goal was given. Um, the game was after that was just pretty much Liverpool just locking down the doors and just keeping hold of that one goal. But uh, it was a, it was a very stressful night watching that as a Liverpool fan because the, the time just kept on going and to to, to make that worse, um, there was six months of injury time for some reason. I don't know where the six minutes came from. So six minutes of injury time. Indeed, yes. I for think, a 1-0 game? I know, it's weird. I don't recall many injuries as such. I mean, Chelsea threw the, threw the kitchen sink. There was a few uh, free kick. There was a free kick that Lampard hit that Dudek uh, saved. But uh, it just kept on going and going and going. And per cue, per cue watching a Liverpool game, there was some drama right at the end, Rick. What a surprise. Ball it's Liverpool. Up. As we say, the ball goes into the mixer, the ball goes into the box, comes out. Good Johnson has the goal at his mercy, literally six yards out. Everything goes slow-mo. He, sl- he slashes it across the goal, goes wide, and we're through. Needless to say that a lot of people lost a lot of life watching Liverpool that day. You guys do have a tendency to use every minute that is given to you. Absolutely. It's in our DNA. I mean, come on. Maybe We want, we want everybody to be, to be, thing, to be you, entertained. I was going to say, do you think that from a Liverpool perspective, they just want the fans to get all of their money worth. If you're going to pay Absolutely. to watch 90 minutes of football, we're going to say, you know what? You're going to pay to watch you know, 97 or 98 minutes. I'm of- convinced that we're, that, we're, that we're also getting sponsored by some secretive uh, pharmaceutical companies <laughs> for the amount of stress we cause our fans. There must be something going on there. Could be. But, but this was this was actually, what's the, what's the word we use? A seismic moment in Stevie's career because... It was that moment where he got over that hump of being of beating Chelsea, the team that, that, that had basically been serenading with him for the whole season. So he got his dream, dream and uh, this rivalry would actually continue for the next four years. But um, they got through to the uh, to, to, to the final. And, uh, yeah, the rest, as I say, is um, history about to be made in Istanbul. See, it's funny. I, w- I wish we can sit here and I'd, I'd love to go deeper into Milan's run to the Champions League. But it was relatively uneventful. It was insanely uneventful. I mean, we just... There really wasn't any excitement. And I almost wonder if that's why that's why Istanbul went the way it did. Probably. Because you two, you, your boys probably got bored. 
But uh, wasn't the case of I keep bringing this up, but Shevchenko should have been shown off the red thread. Well, yeah, so. I mean the Eindhoven the Eindhoven match in the semis well, is really hang on a minute was, was really wasn't it, it wasn't the second leg at Eindhoven was it a little bit scary? Yeah, the second leg right yeah, at the road, yeah right second leg Eindhoven was scary. We 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 go in. I mean here quick 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 rundown. I mean round of sixteen we take care of Manchester United two 0 on two nil on aggregate. Yeah, you know we beat Inter which was fantastic. Of course. I mean, to actually beat Inter in the quarters and knock them out. That's, that's fantastic. That's the same team that share your stadium, right? So it's a weird sort of rival. Never heard of them before. I know. Um, by the way, complaining about the fact that they want upgrades to their stadium, but they're never going to get it. Um, <laughs> Eindhoven was interesting. We take a commanding 2-0 lead um, in the first leg at home. Yeah. And then we lose um, We lose 3-1 to in Eindhoven. And it was... Rather interesting. The 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 one goal at the end saved us because of the yeah. the, the three three aggregate, but with right. the away goal we, right. we get through and so it was it was rather the first two legs were or I'm sorry, the first two rounds were rather uneventful. The yeah. The, yeah. the the semis was rather uh rather more eventful. But yes, you and your Shevchenko should have been sent off and you know, I know. it's I know. retribution, that's why it would happen to him in the final. It's ironic, isn't and it? We'll yes. get to that later. That so yes. So here we are. We're at the game. We are at the game. Yeah. 2005 in Istanbul. It was a what do you say? It was a windy night. Well, that's what that's what they told me on the DVD when I was when I was listening to it. Uh, so yeah, 25th of May, 2005. Yeah, I definitely remember that date as a Liverpool fan. Definitely remember that date. And it's one of those things that we've been milking for years and years and years because we've got nothing else to talk about. Look at the amazing. I mean, all right, look. Let, let's <laughs> let's let's get down to it. Okay. What's that in Italian? I like it, but it sounds better in Italian. I don't know. Um, all right. Let, let, all right, let's go through the lineups here, all right? Let's talk about the back line, all right? I'm going to start with Milan on this one, okay? Go You've talked it. enough about your beloved Liverpool. We're going to talk a little Milan at this point. So let's talk about the defense. Defense, old, in a simple word. Old and slow. Old and slow. <laughs> um, we had a big Alessandro Nesta in the back. Big, giant, huge of a man. Um, Paolo Mandini. Um, we had Stam. Stam was interesting because he he was uh, pushed up by United. Yes, yes. We had Cafu running up and down that right hand side, who was, and we'll get to it later, but was a really really central point. If people really paid attention to the tactics, he was a real central point yes. of that game. Yes. Um, and then of course we have the non diving Brazilian in between the in between the wood in in Dita, which we will <laughs> we'll, we'll disregard a lot of the mistakes. I think but he was, was he the, the number one at the time? Was it Cesaro? Was the number he was one? no? He was Dita was the number one. Really? Dita was the number one. He yeah. didn't. I don't think he played an entire season. I think he he was rested <laughs> quite a bit, but he played. He was the number one. So safe to say we were old in that back line. Yeah. I mean, yes, we had that great Brazilian duo back there, but we were old in the back line. We had some height, we had some some girth back there, but we were just old. We were slow. Definitely. Um, I think at that point Maldini was sort of starting to hit the the golden road. Yeah. Um. So that was that. We go to the midfield now. The midfield is where it got interesting. Um. You know, Ancelotti playing that diamond formation. We'll yes. talk a little bit about that later. But yes, yes. you've got Pirlo. Um. You've got Gattuso. You've got the the amazing and and in my opinion never talked about enough Clarence Seedorf. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the the glory boy that is Kaká. Yeah. Um, you know, up until Modric was the last man besides Messi or Ronaldo to win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Um, incredible career in Milan. Um, we won't talk about the latter half of his career in MLS. <laughs> um, or, or the one that, or the, or the little career that he had in Real Madrid, which is a disaster. Yes, but uh, you know, so those four, right? You had Pirlo, the master, who yes. just fantastic hair. 
but not the biggest, not the strongest, not the fastest, but just a maestro with the ball on his foot. Yeah. Um, you had a basically regard as a best in a generation player that is Sidorf. Um, again, in my opinion, just not talked about enough is so how he good won, he was. Won it, won it with three teams. Won it with three different rare, teams. Rare the rare, the rare treble. Um, he did win it with three different teams. Um, Madrid and Ajax. Yeah, I'm, and Milan. And Milan. That is correct. Yeah. Um, then you've got Kaká again at yep. the time, the, you know, coming into his own, basically taking the mantle from Shevchenko from this team and yeah, basically yeah, becoming yeah. the best player in the world. Um, two years later, he would go on to win the Ballon d'Or. Yep. And then you've got the bulldog that is Gennaro Gattuso. Um, the current manager. The current well. mal, or, or is that, as he was referred to as the growl, um, <laughs> current manager of Milan. We'll see how that, that, that ends up. Yeah. Um, not a bad midfield. Midfield was probably the strongest point of the team. Yes. Um, especially with Ancelotti's diamond formation. Um, and then you've got your forwards. You've got Shevchenko. There's just really not much you can say about him. The man's beloved in Milan. Um, uh, Crespo, on loan from Chelsea. Um, while did make some great plays in that final, did not have the best of Serie A seasons. No, no. Um, and then you had the good old Pippo Inzaghi, who I, I think is... Was on the bench, wasn't he? What's that? I think he was on the bench, wasn't he? Who, Pipo? Yeah. No, Pipo did start. No, Pipo didn't play. He played in the other one. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. The one right. that yes. I don't want to talk you're about. You're right, I'm sorry. You don't want to talk about 07. Oh, uh, I don't want to talk about 07. You don't want to talk about 07. The Greek tragedy. The Greek tragedy. Indeed. Um, you are right, that's correct. But yes, and then we've got Pipo, um, who you know w- w- is still beloved, probably one of the most talented strikers or forwards that we had in Milan yep. um, for a very, very long time. But again a slow front line. So you had a slow front line. You had a slow back line. You had a very talented midfield. um, But the talent was still there for the 11. Um, It it was, it was just going to be interesting how, how Liverpool was going to do this. Um, Carlo Ancelotti, our manager. um, Carlo Ancelotti was an interesting guy. um, Was not really in favor when he first got to Milan. Mm -hmm. He was a very defensive minded guy. They didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, at the time, Milan was about buying stars and about buying forwards and putting the ball in the net, and he was very defensive. Yeah. Um, it took an interesting move of moving Pirlo into that diamond formation, but putting him towards the back yeah. of that diamond, yeah. putting him more of that defensive midfield position, which actually sort of changed the dynamic of that team and actually changed the style of yeah. Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much so, um, and it was pretty much why they had come out as forceful as they did in that first uh, first 45 um. So but what can uh, I say? I mean, so uh, let, let, let's have a contrast of so your, let's, your let's team talk about your lives eleven against Liverpool team. Um, let's just say I don't think they were in the same kind of stratosphere as your team. Um, <laughs> so who did we have starting that day? We had Dudek, we had Hippie, and we know about Jamie Carragher, the man who spit on Sky, uh, Traore, <laughs> Steve Finnan, Javi Alonso. Yes, we talked about Javi Alonso. I think he's. I, I think I'm one of the few who thinks Javi Alonso is a little bit overrated at Liverpool, but that's just me. I think he had about a season and a half where he was really good. Probably two seasons where he was really good. And we know about Mr. Steven Gerrard, of course. I think this was the final that actually defined him and just released a lot of stress that he was carrying in terms of, I need to win something with his club. Luis Garcia, another another, another um, stalwart from Barcelona that was bought, bought in by Rafa. John Arisa, the Norwegian left-back. And we know about Harry Kuhl, the Australian from Leeds, apparently, who was actually... Signed uh, three or four years before by Julier. Milan Barros, uh, the, the Czech international. So uh, I look at your side, look at my side, and I'm thinking, would you have anybody from the other side? Maybe you probably have Steven Gerrard. But uh, 
the rest of your size is, 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 is pretty much scary. And I've always said that this is probably the one, this is why Rafa is, is held in such high regard. It was such a side made out of good players. I wouldn't say they were bad players, but they were good players. Good players. Well, Triori was debatable how good he was because he was a calamity waiting to happen every time he went on the pitch. Um, so it, the the interesting thing here is when uh, when Rafa Rafa's um, formation was was going to be a, a four four one one or if you want to call it a four one three one one depending on the the positioning of the of the wing backs. Um, his idea was actually to use Harry Cool as as the, as, the, as the outlet to actually um, put pressure on the back line. And it didn't actually work out because guess what? Kuehl got injured and. Uh, we had to put on uh, Smita, who was playing his last game for us, another Czech international. And uh, he was, uh, Kiel was actually supposed to deny Pilo space in Milan's counterattacks, but we know what happened in the first half. The opposite happened. Kakao was get, actually getting too much space in the, between the midfield lines, between Gerard and Alonso. And, uh, yeah. Should we walk through the game and how uh, well, that, that, terrible that, that it was? That was the interesting thing, right? The game plan was... <laughs> We're going to attack that slower side, right? We're going to get the ball forward, attack the slower back line. Um, you know, they, they felt at the time, and we could talk about how right. the adjustment in the second half sort of opened up the pitch a little bit. But right. with the Milan side, it was interesting. That that diamond formation, right? So if you think about it, if you if you look at the shape of that field, it was a 4-1-2-1-2, right? Mm-hmm. It was with that diamond formation. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting because, you know, they basically kept – uh, Pirlo kind of cheating up a little bit in the middle. Yep. Um, they had Seedorf and Gattuso sort of flanking him to kind of protect him, but also protecting Kaká. So when Kaká had the ball, yep. you know, those two guys out on the wings could draw enough attention that Kaká could kind of play with the ball in the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that you don't realize if you watch highlights of that game is that, you know, Cafu was really out there to sort of draw that right side um, away from folks. You right. know, it, it, Cafu was really instrumental in, and I want to say those first three goals because if you watch the way the match was going, I mean, Gattuso really wasn't involved in the game all that much, and I think the reason for that was because they were so worried about that right side. Right. And you know, Cafu, they worried about him because they knew he, you know, if I equate him to a player today, he sort of had that Marcelo, you know, ability to really stretch the field and really find that open space to put a ball. Yep. Um. And I think that was designed. I think they were going to kind of keep the attention to that right side. Right. Let Seedorf, Kaká, Pirlo sort of play in that middle there. Right. And then Shevchenko and, well, I mean, Crespo kind of run around in that, that front two. Right. And I think I it, mean, it, it backfired on Rafa in that first half. I mean, it's interesting because, ironically, the first goal came out of um, Triori trying to follow, follow Rafa's tactics because he, <laughs> yeah. knew, he knew the back line was slow. So he said, okay, when you, when you kick off, the first thing you do is put pressure on the back line. So you play a long ball to the defense guess what didn't get past the midfield yep <laughs> but cooked, cooked through the midfield Kaká ran forward and Triori pulled him down first minute we know what happened then it was a, it was a ridiculous free kick to give away and he, even the goal itself it, it just came through like a two lines of d- d- players in the defense and it somehow find its way in and after the first minute you're thinking hang on what's this right so it's like hang on so uh we're gonna start again here well because that was the thing I mean it was it it was your run of the mill you know basically just ball in i mean there was nothing exactly. special about it um i don't know if it was because it was early and and liverpool had some nerves going into it but you hit it with a bounce as well which is like unusual because when usually when you hit a ball like that you hit it you hit it, you don't hit it into the ground you hit it into the ground and it bounced really high and dudek was unsighted and just went in just yeah. the most ridiculous goals yeah exactly um but after that i thought 
you know, this, this is this this is something you don't you don't think about. Is I thought we had a couple of chances, and I remember there was a hippie header. We were trying to throw a little bit more caution to the wind. So, but I think I think honestly it was just domination from Milan because there was a lot of situations before the second goal where um, there was I think there was an offside that was called, which is very dubious. I think it came off Stevens' foot. Mm-hmm. So you guys were always, were always cutting through. The, the problem was Kakao was just getting so much rain in our midfield. He was, he was cutting through so easily. And it was hard for us to... St- I, I think we were just getting overloaded. We, our midfield was getting overloaded. There was just no no uh, support in terms of, you know, supporting the runs from Kakao, supporting the runs uh, that were going from Shevchenko and, and Crespo. So it was really tough for the for the midfield to hold, hold the line there. Yeah, because if you look at that diamond formation, it was interesting because... You know, having Pirlo in sort of that back area, and like I said before, with Ancelotti sort of moving him more into that that defensive third that he was playing yeah. from from the midfield, yeah, it it stifled any counterattack that Liverpool was going to be able to put on there, right? Because you still had that a little bit better with your foot type player. Yeah. Yes, he wasn't the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest, but right. you still had a guy who can sort of make a good quality tackle right. and knew what to do with the ball at that point. You right. know, you weren't relying on some you know, defender to really just want to clear the ball or make a rough tackle. Yeah. So that that was a big thing that that was largely stifling to that midfield. It stifled any counterattack. Yeah. And you know, Kaká and Sidorf just basically, I mean, they they had their way. But you got to say you got, you had your chances. Well, did we though? Hippie header was one. I mean, let's talk about before the second goal. Uh, we threw in the box. Luis Garcia in the box. Yeah, dubious handball. I'm not sure if it was. Nesta sort of puts his hand on the, on the floor. I think he probably hit his elbow. I'm, mm-hmm. not sure, I'm not sure if it was. And they just kind of just broke so fast. And we just couldn't keep it with that. We just swamped. And uh, the second goal, I think, was, was I thought that was just, just a killer goal. I really did. I mean, somehow it was this fantastic pass. Another fantastic pass by, by I think it was Kaká. Kaká, the pass into Shevchenko. He I mean, takes it down the right side of that box. It's a beautiful, beautiful cross. And it's just like, you know, we were just once again swamped in the box. Carragher. Spinning like a top hat with that ball coming across over to Crespo. It's going to go. So, thirty-nine minutes, two down. So you think, okay, you know, so you think, all right, let's get to the half here. Let's just reset everything, get to the half. Guess what? I think I probably see the pass of the year when I saw that pass from Kakar for the third goal. It was ridiculous. I, I I don't even know how to describe that pass. I mean that to to make that accurate of a pass of a leading pass. I mean it's one thing to have the vision to even attempt it, and then to pull it off is just. I mean, we're we're talking that ball is 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 a third of the of the pitch. It's a brilliant pass. Uh, a brilliant pass. He took he took Alonso off the bat off the off the um, out of the match out of the game. We should say when he when he did that turn, he took him out of the game, and he took and he put that pass and he split it through past Carragher, which is yep ridiculous pass. And, and Crespo himself, as we know, has got a very big head. <laughs> Scored a very very good goal. So three 0 yeah, come on. It's yeah. over, isn't it? It yeah. is over. I mean, going back to that goal, yeah, Carragher just has his foot outreach, just yeah. might have gotten a toe on it because you see it taking a little it. little bit of a slowdown. And it, and it's funny, if you if you watch the video, the yeah. slowdown of the ball does kind of maybe change, I think, what Crespo might have done with the ball. Yeah. To go to the little flick yeah. um, over Dudek's head, ball in the corner, just a fantastic goal. And, yeah, I mean, look, a Milan fan, I'm sitting there, I'm up 3 nothing. It, it, we're in the 45th. It's 3 nothing. This is over. So you were texting because your mate saying, you know, we're going to have a party No, 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 no. There was no, no texting back no. then. This is 2005. Oh, crikey. Steve Jobs, where are you? Because when I was texting, it was probably one of those little phones. You're to right. Where you had to hit, like, the three button four times to just to get to the... Patties to get yeah, to say hello. To get to the F, right? You had to hit three, like, six times or four times to get to the F. Um, 
No, I mean I'm I'm screaming, I'm hooting, I'm hollering, and and I'm I'm getting excited. And watching not on HDTV either. Let's just tell tell it for the young. That is true. It was it was a little rough around the edges, kids. I mean, yes, the pitch the pitch did not look green. Let's put it that way. It had a it had a wonderful shade of brown to it because of the pixelated screen that I was looking on in probably my 450 pound tube Sony television. Um, but anyways, so yeah, I'm thinking it's three nothing. I mean, we basically forget about the score, but at that point, we're just dominating possession. Right. Um, and I, I honestly think that was, you know, looking back, and you know, you can critique everything till you're blue in the face, but looking back, that was the, I think that was the worst thing that could have ever happened to us because I'll and I'll let you tell the folklore folklore so, story of Rafa in the in the locker there's room. Lots of stories about this. Lo- lots of musicals, lots of films done about it. But, you know, there's a lot of myth and a lot of legend about, you know, what happened at halftime. I think there's a lot of stuff we want to believe as if, like, Rafa made some sort of heroic speech about we're going to come back. Like we're in the movie theaters right now. But you forget the Rafa's were still trying to sort of master English, never mind English, the Scouse Liverpool English as well. (laughs) And uh, essentially what it can, can, you know, there's a lot of myths about Traore saying that he saw Milan players that were celebrating and Carragher didn't really hear that, so I'm not sure how much that's true. And there's... Obviously, Liverpool fans sing sing what they always sing, which is "You'll Never Walk Alone." And uh, I think it just felt like like it was like a bit of a prayer to the heavens, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if the fa- if the, if the players actually heard that. I mean, we'd like to think they heard that, and there was a little bit of inspiration that comes down to it. But I'm not sure how much of that is true because because when it when it comes to half time, you really got such a short time, short period of time to actually make changes and communicate. So put yourself in Rafa's shoes. He's, he started his first season. English is not his first language, it's Spanish. So he's trying to put the words together in a way to inspire a dejected team. I mean, that sounds grandiose, but it, it's pretty hard. And in a way, him not being so fluent in English might have actually helped because he had to concentrate on what he was going to say to the team when they were, th- when they were throwing all down. So so he, his the story is that Jimmy Triori was going into the shower. The right back, Steve Finnan, had an injury, and the physio told him he can't continue. So... Steve Finnan wasn't too happy. Drury, I think, already had a shower, so he came back out and he said, and Rafa said, you're going back on the pitch. So Rafa, Rafa drew the formation on the whiteboard and he did this, and one of his players said, you've got 12 players on there, Rafa. So he finally got it right and he changed the uh, formation to a 3-2-4-1 uh, 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 or a 3-4-2-1, if you will. So he, essentially he's, put, he's, play, he's playing three at the back and he's got extra insurance on, on the wings. Um and at that point, I think Rafa's idea is probably let me overload this midfield exactly. that I just can't break through. And the, and the key is, and the key is, is the player that we thought was going to start from the very beginning, which is Didi Haman. Didi Haman, the, uh, the German midfielder, he was he he's 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 sort of uh, credited with a lot of the stuff that happened after after the um, after the first half when he came on because he stabilized that midfield. It was less of a threat from Kakar. He Kakar was not getting as much uh, space as he was before running through the through the, through the lines of the midfield. So, I think uh, what it came, I think in terms of what he said, I think he said, "Get the first goal, fellas. If you get the first goal, you got a chance." So, and there's also talk from your from your side of the house, Rick, in terms of Milan players celebrating Milan players. I did see Gattuso touch touch the trophy before he came. Yes, there was a lot of there was a uh, lot of black magic. Gattuso touching the trophy. There was you know the old rumors that uh, that that Shevchenko was kind of you know wiping it off that it was over. there were quite a few folks that basically thought. I mean, even if you look at the stadium, I mean, most of the people in the stadium, this is over. You know, I mean, so, this is. We're talking three nil down against a team of this caliber. 
even if they let up a, a, a sloppy goal here or there, they're either going to put another one in and, and basically put the nail in the coffin. And Carragher's thing was, let's just keep it respectable, if that's possible. Right. We don't want this to be 5 or 6, because this, be, this could be the most abject humiliation in the Champions League final. Agreed. And uh, mustn't forget those fans who left at half-time, the Liverpool fans <laughs> who couldn't take any more of this and decided, I'm getting out of here, I can't take this anymore. This is stress was too much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there is a postscript to that because they 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 realised when the score was three three and we'll talk about it now it was a bit late to come back to the stadium so they had to find a bar around the streets of Istanbul so which is a typical for 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 you American sports fans in the NBA know this story well a few years back um, this happened to the Miami, Miami Heat as well they'd come back to to in the in the finals and they ended up uh, pulling out a victory in their are scenes of people outside like yanking on the door trying to get back in because they left. Um, so kind of the same concept. Um, don't. So that's a, that's a rule to all you kids out there. Don't leave before the final buzzer. It ain't over till it's over. It is Rick, not Rick, over. Rick, if I had my way, I would lock the doors. I wouldn't let them out. Yeah. Well, you have a thing anyways with your people leaving. leaving early. I don't like that. It's not right. It's 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 about it's it's worse it's as worse as a half and half scarf. Of course. All Have right. you seen the half and half badges? Oh, never mind. Oh, here we go again with your half and half badges. Indeed. So is, so, so just just to summarize what we had in, in terms of the team, we had uh, Troy Hippoya and Carragher, Hammond and Lanza in the midfield, Risa Garcias, Gerard Smitzer, and Barros up front. But the, the 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 key is here: Gerard was given a free roll to actually get get up front, support Barros, support Garcia, and distract that defense. And because Barros and uh, Garcia were told to sort of pull the central defenders. Uh, wider and create space and openings for Gerard to 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 attack yeah and that's I mean that's basically how the second half started so jumping into the second half I mean that's how it started I mean you saw immediately the tactical changes really start to take effect I yeah. mean that midfield of Milan seems very overwhelmed um the back line seems very slow to get back um you know the the the, the age was there um and and that front line, I mean, there were still chances, um, not many, but you can just see it was like, that. There's a, a good Shevchenko free kick. I think they got that before the goal, which was actually a decent save. But I think it was another decent save by Dudek at the time. Right. Um, I think that was the only time where I saw Kaká had a chance to break free. But uh, the rest of it, uh, the midfield was actually, you know, uh, Kaká was getting less of a free end. Let's just say that, which was which was a significant improvement from this first half. Right. And and it was like I said. I mean, rightfully so. I mean. That midfield was a bit overwhelmed, and if, you know, as we talked about the first half, that's really where everything was created was yep. out of that midfield. Absolutely. So, so we get the we get the goal from Jer- from Stevie G, right? Can I can I please can not because I, I don't want to talk yeah, about it. I don't want to talk about it. So six goals in six minutes, eh? What's all that about? Doesn't happen very often, does it? So uh, cross from Stevie G, and this is exactly the formation that this is exactly what Rafa was saying. Poli stretched stretched the back line out. Luis uh, Garcia and Barros. Stretched it out. Stevie was in the middle. Got a free header. And, uh, yeah, it was actually a great header because he had to generate so much power on that thing. Yeah, it was a great header. I mean, that that, that top that top right-hand corner. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we all know Dito, Dito mm. who just doesn't know, how, doesn't know how to dive. Well, I don't think he likes to dive to his left, as we, as we knew. From but the, that was to his right. To no, his, it was to his left. You're right. You're left. right. It was to or his to, left. Yeah, depending on which yes. way you're looking. Yeah, depending on which way you're looking at it. But, it, ugh, I mean. So. So, goal goes in, and uh, Stevie does this. Come on, boys. Come on, let's have it. Right. Let's have it. Bring it on. And he's, he's, he is so desperate to get this over the line and get going with this. He looks at the crowd and says, come on. I believe we can do this. I believe we can do this. We didn't believe we can do this. We just thought, oh, that's, we've got a consolation. Got, got, got something, on the, something on the board here. It's nice. We've got one goal. And two minutes later, there's a story about that one as well, isn't there? There was a, 
It's probably an offside that should have been called, and Ancelotti wasn't too chuffed with that. And uh, Smita playing for his last game for Liverpool. Did I rate him as a player? Not really. He was signed when Gerard Julio was there, and uh, he hits a sort of a, a speculative shot, shall we call and, it? And, and, and who am I missing? Who almost handballs it? Mr. Barros. Mr. Barros, that's right. Almost to get it out of the way. He and, uh, literally has to dive out. And Dida sort of <laughs> dived over the ball, yeah. and it went in. <laughs> Gets his hand on it, could have, should have made the save. I mean, even the slightest of a hand on that ball ricochets it off the wood, and that that ball doesn't go in. The ball's low, it's flat. There's there's power to it, but there's nothing fancy about that ball. It, it, no, it's, it's, just, it's just, just like I'm just gonna have a of a shot. It was nothing. Yeah, it wasn't like a worldie or anything like that. No, it was just it was one of those, nothing fancy. I'll just have a go from here, see what happens, and uh, all of a sudden I I come alive, and it's like what? There's two goals here. So all of a sudden everything changes, and it's like. It's a different perspective, different different game completely. And then uh, we talk about the two dreaded. Minutes later, we talk about the dreaded play. The two minutes later, so this was this was Stevie pushing forward again, push forward and yep. uh, ran into space. This is what he does best: running into midfield at his prime. That was his best. Yep, Gattuso trying to make that run from that right side can't get there in nope. time, and should have been booked. I was going to say could have been at argued least, that he was booked at that point. You could argue it might have been a red card. The um, commentators did say that, but I think it's probably at least a booking in the. The Spanish referee didn't actually book him yeah, at all. Yeah, didn't, didn't book him. Um, t- does that clear penalty, takes him down. And then I, I don't even know where to begin with this penalty. Oh, because it's, it's this, more drama, isn't it? This, this penalty is brutal because, you know, <laughs> y- you watch the penalty and there's there, there's a lot of people that watch the game and, and, and you watch the highlights and you're like, okay, you know, the, the, the goal scored. End of story, you know, it's now 3-3. Yeah. But first off, miraculously, Dita makes the save, okay, Xavi goes Xavi goes low and, and to his left to, to Dita's right. He goes low. And you're right, Dita had already made the dive before he, <laughs> he actually kicked the ball. He makes the save, but you go back and I've watched that goal a couple of times now, and we actually just watched it recently, and nobody from Milan moves. That was interesting, wasn't it? Nesta was the only one who Nesta's the only one who makes the on move. And, saying, Hang on, I, I gotta stop this thing. N- only one who makes a run for the goal. <laughs> Pirlo finally sees the ball, stops and says, Oh, let me make a run in it and at that point Javi's got the ball back on his foot again and puts it off the crossbar and in. I think he hit it with his left foot as well. But nobody weird. moves. Yeah. And you wonder if that could have made anything any different. I mean granted, yes, I know a lot of a lot of times, you know, those putbacks are relatively easy because of, you know, there's there's really not much space from from a defender to get in there and whatnot and it's a pretty well this pretty was far, this, but this was interesting because he, he slammed it into the roof of the net which is almost like i think he hit it with his left foot and he's a right-footed player so as we know when it's a weaker foot you tend to just go by instinct just try right. to go for power and it looked like it was just one of those toe pokes that just went in yeah and it went in <laughs> and and like i said and like you said nesta the only guy around who's actually making a play for the ball yeah and it was just you know i watched it over and over again and that's look the the smicer goal Drives me mad because of the fact that there wasn't much to it, and Dita Absolutely. probably could have made the save. Absolutely, um, I, I, I don't really think Dita really had much for as much as he probably could have dove and, and touched the Gerard ball. That was just too good of a header. I think that ball but was going then, in. But, but even then, that come from that come from Risa hitting Cafu. Yeah, hitting it back to Risa. And Risa I mean, in, in my opinion, that ball is going in ninety nine out of hundred yeah, times. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But the other two goals, and for some odd reason, this one just really like. <laughs> there was sort of like this moment where I watched that that game again, and I look and I said like that that seemed to sum up the arrogance of the night. You know, the first half we're up three nil, we're packing it in, and you know, kind of have this defeated. All right, we'll give it up. We'll try to get one back, or we'll win it in extra time, or whatever. We're still the more talented team. Like that 
it, it just summed it up for me right then and there. Well, it's hard to raise the gears, isn't it? Once you actually come back from such a high, all of a sudden it's like you two goals that you get to, the other team gets two goals back, and all of a sudden you have to switch gears again. Right. And that's a, that's the hardest thing. And I, and I hate this word. You know, I hate this word momentum. That's always used in football punditry everywhere. It's really you've lost the flow of the game. The flow of the game is going with Liverpool. All of a sudden, you're trying to switch on and say, "Okay, we've got to get this back." Right, right. And uh, what was interesting after the third goal it was almost like, "Okay, so what do we do? Stick or twist?" Yeah, because well, I think I think I think it was one of those things. Carrick was like saying, "The one thing we don't want to do is like lose it from here because we come back, we work so hard to get." Well, okay, yes, there was a lot of luck. That's me talking as a Liverpool fan. We were lucky to get those three goals. I, I know right, 100%. and there were there were also two things. There was a little bit of lady luck on your side too, right? We didn't talk in the first half of. You know, Crespo could have had three with that mm. early header saved by Garcia in the corner of the post, but then it happened again. Absolutely. Here we are late in the game. We're, we're close to, I want to say, probably the almost 80th, 82nd at that point. Right. And another great ball in. Um, Shevchenko takes the shot. Dudek um, would have mess. I mean, this, this is the thing about Dudek. He, he got loaded for that game, but he did make some blunders. And then you're right, that play where he was, it was an easy, easy, easy cross, just yep. catch the ball. Made a mess of it, and uh, Jimmy Triori, that's what he's there. Triori saves the day with the did kick some, save. Did, did something good for, for yeah, once. With, yeah, with the kick save off the corner yeah. post right there yeah. and, and, and saves the goal. And There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at that second half, there was probably one one effort where we actually made Dita save. It was a Risa rocket from outside the area that, that uh, Dita saved. But it, apart from that, it was honestly, it was just, you know, you guys stepped into the gear again, and we had to sort of hold on a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, though. The, the rest of the second half was really built around, you know, playing defensive. There was the one couple of chances from from Stevie G, um, hits one right into Dita um, that he slaps high. There was a couple that were wide. There was a couple of late ones from Seedorf that went wide. Um, but but ultimately, at that point, it was really, you know, Milan was really pushing forward. Oh, yeah. Liverpool was really just kind of sitting back and saying, let me just survive this onslaught and we'll, we'll figure it out. Indeed. Maybe sneak a counter in there or something, but... So three 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 we go to extra Full time. time, extra time. I look at our boys and I'm thinking we don't have enough gas in the tank. No. And you guys bring out bring on another guy with lovely hair, lovely hair, Sergio. You bring on Rui Costa and, you, and it's like you guys got talent everywhere. But what? But again, you know, you, you can always you know, it's it's always looking at things in hindsight. But do I do I like the fact that Sergio comes on for Sidorf? It can be argued either way. There could be folks out there that say, look, Seedorf was a bit gassed at that point. You can tell he was taking off the ball quite a bit in that second yeah. half. Yeah. Um, you know, Sergino was young. They, they were going to bring in that that extra sort of really pushing forward quasi-winger type. Yeah, he's, you more, know. he's more of a direct winger. And that affected where Stevie G played as well. It did. Because Ralph had to, put, had, had to put some blocks on that. Because, right. Because you pulled Smeetzer out. Smeetzer didn't have any legs. Right. Put and Stevie that was G. the thing they thought they were basically going to spread Liverpool too thin at that yeah. point because now you yeah. have to watch both wings. You can't just have to worry about just one side. And, exactly. Um, it wasn't really a fan, but then th- then there's the moment, right? There, there's well, the moment that's uh, it's the 117th minute, uh, <laughs> Richard. Um, the ridiculous dude save. Oh God! Probably the theme for this uh, podcast, uh, the miracle of Istanbul, or the miserable miracle. Of I, I, yeah, I was gonna say, let's call it the, mi- so, the miserable uh, miracle. So, 170th minute, uh, Sergio, uh, loads of space on the left, uh, crosses it in. Shevchenko. The commentator actually says Thomason, so he got confused. Uh, says Shevchenko. Uh, Shevchenko heads it down. Dudek saves it. The rest is going to be a bulging net. Surely it's going to be four-three game over, right? Now, somehow. 
I don't know how he's done it. I don't think he'll ever do that again in his lifetime. He stuck his he stuck his hands out and um, the, the ball went over the net. So yeah, there, there, there's a that, piece of that me that is definitely just providence or something. When you know that happens, you know. Hang on a minute, we've uh, got a lot of luck today somehow. I mean, look, I will say there was a piece of me first watching that game where I said to myself, I said, "Oh, he this is this is Shevchenko's fault. He kicked it right into Dudek." But no, Dudek just sort of closes his eyes and makes himself big and somehow I mean, has the reaction he, he time was, to make he that was save. He's so close to him. So 99 times out of 100, the ball goes in. And Dudek just lifts himself up and he sticks his hands out. I don't think he knows what he's, what he's doing with his hands. He's just, he's just hoping I might get in the way of the ball. And <laughs> the angle of that, just to hit that and go up, that's that's almost like impossible how that happened. Yep. It was weird how that happened. So, yep. uh, so yeah. he saves and, and, and you survive extra time. So, and, and here we go, going to penalties. So you think... Okay, so we come this far. It'd be a shame to lose it now, wouldn't he? As a, I just don't want to lose it from here as a miserable Liverpool fan after the first half. You think, okay, this should be good. So uh, that was interesting because uh, Jamie Carragher, as we know now, a pundit uh, uh, on Monday Night Football and Sky Sports, was uh, telling uh, Dudek to do some silly dances and some pulling off the players. Et and his jelly leg against Kaká. The jelly legs were a reference to 1984, Bruce Grobler, who did the jelly legs against Roma. I mean, it was, it was interesting that it actually did win Liverpool the actual European Cup again on penalties in 1984 but I think what's interesting was Robola didn't actually make any saves in that game that was that was the final in the uh, Stadio Olimpico I believe at the time so uh, yeah penalties what do you think of that um, oh, where do we begin look I, I will say Rafa did his homework he, he definitely did his homework on this and I think yes. that was another another part of the, the, the tactician that Rafa was in that match besides the big change he made at the halftime he he definitely did his homework and Dudek, if if he said something to Dudek either before the match before the penalties I don't know, but he he definitely I I really think he helped influence Dudek because we'll we'll start from this the, the top the the Serginho one was just awful I mean it was terrible wasn't it flies at top left doesn't yeah. even have a chance Dudek does guess right yeah um but it was just it was awful I right, mean it was that was just bad. And uh, so back to us, we had uh, Didier Man, and uh, there used to be a time when Germans were always guaranteed to win on penalties. Being an England fan, you know how much we know how much pain that we suffered because of penalty kicks done by Germans. So for Liverpool, it was nice to have a German on their side. <laughs> it was a guarantee he would score, and he did actually score. It was a good penalty. And uh, back over to you, Mr. Pirlo. Oh, Mr. Pirlo, usually Mr. Reliable when it comes to penalty kicks. And he goes up there, and he just sort of, well, all right. Pretty hang on, hang on. Let let's first talk about Dudek standing next to Pirlo as he's about to kick the ball. Yeah, I think he wanted to shake his hands before the because, game finished. Yeah. And look, I know the you know I know the unwritten rule that very rarely is oh, no. that he come off the out. line. He was miles out. But that is one that was so blatant. How it was not called I think is it took about three steps. Is mind boggling to me. And it was Pirlo was just about to pass. But anyways, I'm and I don't and, and there's a piece of me that wonders did that throw off Pirlo? Kind of like you know what? I'm just gonna kick this away. I'll be able to do this again. But it wasn't called. Pirlo lame ducks one. Um, Dudek with another save. I mean Pirlo. I don't think I've ever seen him miss a penalty after that. I think because he's just such a magician when it comes to penalties. You think he's always gonna score, but that was just one of those things where, well, hang on. Do you know what you're doing here? No. Just seemed very casual. No. So, uh, Gabriel Cisse, interesting story there. Came on, uh, did, took the second one. Uh, he came back after a double leg break and uh, when he played for Liverpool in a league game against Blackburn Rovers. And um, that was a good comeback for him. Coming back before the end of the season, we thought he was going to come back. So that was 2-0. And uh, 
Then you had John Doll Thomason, a Newcastle United reject. reject. Rick. Yes, but actually was the only one, if you watch all of these <laughs> kicks, besides Kaká, the only one who walked up there with confidence. Yes. Um, puts it low right side. Dudek guesses the other way. Um, and, you know, we, we get our first. Unfortunately, it took to the third kick to get to the first. But we're now 2-1. 2-1, bit of pressure on, and John Alonso with his left foot. I think this one was a bit of a telegraph penalty. Went to Dita's favorite side, which is his right side. Yes. And he dived and he saved it. it was, I think it was very predictable. And Risa's penalty kick then was just a bit unusual because Dita was diving way before Risa got to the ball, so Risa could actually change direction. So that made it interesting because then Mr. Kaká. Mr. Kaká comes in, and this is where the jelly leg happens, where right. Dudek is doing I don't know so what. So he's, he's called doing the grobbelage, Rick. That's what it's called, because that's what grobbelage did in uh, 84. Ugh. He waved his legs and did all these things to distract him. Brutal. You know, at the time, this was the great maturity of Kaká. It doesn't really affect him. He steps up, and he just sort of buries one in that that top left corner. Um, so that, that, and we're 2-2 two, two now. That, that, that's a little bit of a pressure kick there to... Uh, it is. Vladimir Smitsa. It is. Last game for Liverpool. And that, that's a pressure kick. And uh, I think he figured out, once again, I keep bringing this up and uh, it's boring, I know, but he figured out, I think, which way Dita was going to dive. Yes. Because <laughs> I think he, uh, he he put it to the right spot and uh, that was his last kick of the game for Liverpool. And uh, that was the one that actually was the one that was going to win the, win the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, because then, then we go to Mr. Chevy. To Mr. Chevy. Mr. Chevy, who had, if, if, if I take a second here, who probably had one of the best worst games you will ever see <laughs> between the offside goal early in the first, uh, the, the two saves from the free kick, um, Dudek saves him in the second and yep. then, and the character and then cutting him off. Yeah. Carrier cutting him off. And then the double goal or the double save in extra time. Yeah. He, he could have scored five goals. I know. He, he really could have scored five goals. So you're thinking, okay, he's going to put it up there. He's going to put the pressure back on Liverpool to come back out and put it in. Yeah. And, and you watch the kick and he just sort of, lame ducks it like he changes his mind i think the story goes yeah, as he the, changed I, his I, mind I, 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 saw, I heard that and he said well the last minute i think he was going to pick one of the corners and the last minute he decides to um oh, i'm going to hit it down the middle and if you see if you look at the free kick if he hits it down the middle he scores but what he does is he hits it too close to Dudek. yep Dudek gets his diving diving left hand i think and he's going to the right and it was just it was by mistake and you could even look at because if you look oh, yeah. at his run up to the ball yep. it was just nonchalant and the kick was just a lot of dirt flown up, and the ball just nonchalantly goes into Dudek, and and there we are, and that's history at that point. And and this is where we milk it forever and ever. Those little th- th- this is you know. this is the pain that I have to endure now for for all of all of eternity because of how good we did not deserve to win that final. You might say. However, you know what? But, what, but isn't that why we like, like this game? Isn't that why we love football? I was because gonna say it's it, not fair. It's it's not because <laughs> you could even say at that point that. Milan didn't deserve to win it, but they did. It's not like they played bad the second half. We're talking about three crazy goals in six about three minutes. Crazy goals. That's a, it doesn't happen very often in football, does it? You know, and we're talking about a keeper who, up to that point and after that point, did nothing in his career, <laughs> yet stood there like a a, a a monument in between the pipes. Yep. And and saved everything that was thrown at him. Yep. So it, it was almost like the stars were aligned. However, in Liverpool fashion, we had to make sure that we gave you some cloud cover before we got to show you the stars. Oh, indeed, yes. Why make it easy for us? It's boring when it's easy, isn't it? Well, of course. We won't talk about this season, but of course, that's really <laughs> what it is. Um, and and that, that's the thing. I mean, you you can't say Milan 
you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, in American sports, we always say, did this person win it or did this person lose it? Yeah. At this point, I, I, I can't fault Milan for very much, except I will fault the penalties. The, the, the penalties, hands down, was, in my opinion, straight pressure because yep. there was a lot of indecision. Yep. I think there was a lot of loss of confidence, almost like the five of them that stood up there were saying, how am I in this position right now? Yep. I was 3-0 up after 44. Yep. How am I standing here right now fighting for my life to win this Champions League? What happens when two goals go in, all of a sudden you, you have to switch your game, and it's like, well, hang on, I can't stand the time here. And they didn't, right? Going back to tactics, and if you look at that match, I mean, yeah, there were subtle differences. Um, you know, I think if you look, Ancelotti moved up Pirlo a little bit. Kaká got a little bit more forward, yeah, but yeah. there wasn't any big – there wasn't even really any big sub change. You know, people doesn't come on – they don't really make make much of an impact there to kind of say, okay, you want to throw something at me, Rafa? I'm going to throw something back at you. Yeah. You know, they sort of just let – they kind of let the game play itself out. It's almost like we'll, we'll let the clock be Liverpool's greatest – like def- their, their greatest defense right now. And, and, and this, this was the Steven Gerrard final. This was the game that defined him. No two, two ways about it. So, so because let, let, let's be honest, if it wasn't for him, I don't think there's no way we'd have won this game. So let me ask you that question then, as a as a true diehard Liverpool fan, and and a not lover of him in the beginning, but a lover of him now. Absolutely. Is he more known for this or fourteen? Well, I think unfortunately his legacy is going to be tainted by fourteen when he was trying to go for the Premier League title, right? So, unfortunately, the slip is going to stick with him for the rest of his life. Unfortunately. Which is unfortunate because he he has won every single domestic cup competition, FA Cup, League Cup, Ch- Champions League. He's won uh, the UEFA Cup, which is like the, the tier down from the Champions League. The league was the final one, the final one that he was so so close to winning, and that one that one really hurts. So I think it took him it took him a long time to get over that, a long time because that was supposed to be his, you know. His capping moment. That was going to be the shining. That one. That, that was, was the write off in the sunset. I brought it home. Yes, that was the write off to the sunset. Yeah. But yeah, like I said before, after that, I mean that that team, the the, the Milan team, they stayed together for a few more years. And that Milan team actually stayed together for quite some time. I think they were together almost five or six years. They stayed together. Yeah. The whole, I want to say, fourteen of them actually stayed together. I want to say almost. Yeah. Um, for a good five or six years, you know, we know what happened in 07. Yeah. Um, Milan kind it was, of. Be- it was interesting. That was that was a contrast, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't a case of we were sort of flamboyant, but I think we had more control in that game. Mm-hmm. I think I think we were the better side. I think uh, Mascherano we had at the time in 2007, like stem the you know stem Kaká, and Kaká didn't really do anything until Mascherano got substituted in that game. But uh, I think it was one of those games where I think you knew in the back of your head that Milan were going to get this over the line. This was payback. Yeah. This yeah. was payback. I mean. It was going to happen one way or another, and ironically, we had actually had a more of a control game, and we had a you know our performance much more, much more professional, much more you know solid. Yeah, there. I mean, you, you look back at this O six or this O five final, and and it's funny like this, <laughs> it wasn't a very pretty pretty match. It really was. It, it this was is my point. I mean, it, it's great. <laughs> it's one thing saying it's the greatest Champions League final of all time. Um, as a story, it is the greatest story of all time in football, particularly from Liverpool's perspective. But in terms of football and quality and everything else, you're right, it wasn't there. Milan first half, absolutely astonishing, absolutely phenomenal the way they played the game and the moves, the, the technique, the skills, etc. is fantastic. But uh, there it is. That's history. It's embellished in time. And every Liverpool fan will say, well, at least we've got Istanbul when things don't go right. 
and Milan will always say, what if? What if? Because I did read this. Yes, yes. I think it's it's one of those things that that lives with you and it, and it, and it stinks. It really does stink. I remember Pilo, I read this in his autobiography about, I was thinking of seriously retiring football after this game, after that game, because it was too much to take in. I mean, that team, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, could have been a very, very, very dangerous dynasty had 2005 not happened. Yep. I mean, I know they raised it in 2003. That's yep. fine. But I, I think 2005 really was, like I said, the coming out party for Kaká. Yep. Um, that, that team, even as old as it was, it was still that good. Um, I mean, and then to win it in 07, I mean, you, you really could have seen them rattle off three or four. Um, or, or at least be contending in the finals three or four times. So, as a postscript, the drama was not over then, was it, was it Rick? Cause, um, it was not. Because uh, Stevie G hands in a transfer request and all hell breaks loose in the summertime. That's right. So it's a weird situation. That there's, a, there's a little bit of fire and ice there between Rafa and Stevie G and the whole uh, story there, storyline there. I don't think you felt you got enough love from Rafa, and it was one of those things where he threw in a transfer request, and all of a sudden it was like, what? Okay, so we've got drama over the summertime now. We had the Istanbul final. Now we're like six weeks after. We've got the whole Stevie G saying, I want to leave. So that was another sort of a weird sort of t- twist. But I, I think I think that was the that was the, basically the moment where once he signed, it was like, that's it, it's done. None of this Chelsea uh, rumours, none of this, I'm going to go somewhere else. That's it. He's, he's, he's hardcore. He's staying at Liverpool. But uh, there it is, fellas. Uh, the miserable miracle at Istanbul. There it is, the miserable miracle in Istanbul. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. Take um, care. This is Sid and Rick. This is just the first to many. Cheers. See you later.